Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. The reading today comes from the writings of Dr. Howard Thurman titled, The Season of Affirmation. Christmas is the season of affirmation. I affirm my heart in the little graces of life, the urgency of growth, the strength of laughter, the vitality of friendship. I light this candle for grace. I affirm my confidence in the dignity of people, of fortitude in despair, strength in weakness, of love in hatred. I light this candle for confidence. I affirm my joy in the experience of living, the fragrance of nostalgia, the scattered moments of delight, the exhilaration of danger. I light this candle for joy. I affirm my needs of others, the offerings of faiths, the gifts of variety, the quality of difference. I light this candle for diversity. I affirm my hunger for God, the desire for fulfillment, the ache for understanding, the sense of peace. I light this candle for spirituality. Christmas is my season of affirmation. I felt uh, bad for Ken. He's looking, of course, he has this little script here, and it has five paragraphs, and I could see him looking at the six candles, going, oh, holy Jesus, what am I supposed to do when he gets to the end? But we're actually saving that candle for a little bit. I will get there in a moment, but I I just had to share that moment of, of Ken's terror. We should practice these things, right? So Christmas message, well, first of all, I gotta tell you, this this was kind of a stinky year. I, uh, you know, I'm supposed to have a message of, I don't know, tidings of goodness and joy or something like that. And I'm not sure the tidings actually warrant that for a lot of us. And so this might be a little bit of a different Christmas message because, uh, Gosh, I've never seen the world at such odds with itself. And of course, as a good science of mind person, I know that that's a reflection of us. I mean, it's not that... The universe is doing something to punish us. I mean, it really is a a reflection of our own divisiveness, of maybe a hardening of our hearts towards other people. You know, that's what's coming about in terms of racial tension, in terms of equality. That's, That's what's manifesting outwardness as a distrust of people who look different than we do. It's not surprising to me, I guess, where it comes from, but the the vigor of it this year was a little surprising. The number of uh, African-American men, defenseless men, gunned down. Oh, gosh, I could just go on and on. Leading up to our contention in in politics, even our neighbors, we felt like we were tiptoeing on eggshells lest they find out what we believe in. Or, you know, it's just, it's been kind of a rotten year. And I, um, well, I think I should start with a joke. Maybe that, maybe a joke will actually be a good place to start. So, so I'm sure one of the things you came here today was for me to give you the true meaning of Christmas. And, well, I can't do that. But I can give you the true meaning of the nativity. 
The other night, three-year-old Billy is showing the terracotta nativity scene that his mother has so lovingly set up. He's showing it to his stuffed dragon, and Mama's listening around the corner, and this is what she hears. This is an activity scene, he says to the dragon. This is where they put all of Mom's breakable things out to watch the baby Jesus sleep. And you know, I I think that's maybe a little truer about Christmas than I like to think. I think maybe we have lost a bit of sight of maybe where Jesus, for instance, went with Christmas. Uh, Now, and I don't want to lecture later on. I know that Jesus wasn't really born this time of year. I know he was really born in the spring and that it was the early Christian, you know. So, okay, I'm I'm up on all that. And, And you might say, well, why are we even celebrating Christmas then? You know, what does that really have to do with something that's important or meaningful. Because here at the Centers for Spiritual Living, honestly, I I celebrate all the great ascended masters, and he's just one of many. I mean, we could be celebrating Moses today, or we could be celebrating Lao Tzu or one of the other ascended ascended masters. And and, and why is perhaps the birthday of Jesus, uh, regardless of when it actually happened, um, why is that important for us today? And it has to do with that last candle down there that I haven't lit yet. Um, When I think of the other ascended masters, when I think of Moses, for instance, I think of someone really to bring the law to the people. Um, I think of someone who was powerful. I think of, uh, of an ascended master who was about confidence and strength and power in a very physical and visceral way. And when I think of someone like Lao Tzu, for instance, I think of... Uh, of really that inward journey. I think of someone who uh, really was about self-effacement and and, uh, declaring poverty in order to really understand the predicament of people who have not, for instance. And when I think of... uh, Oh, when I think of Confucius, I, I, I think also of that. You know, many of the Eastern uh, ascended masters were all about the inward journey of contemplation and removing ourselves from the hubbub of society in order to, to find that truth from within that maybe is to be found most purely in meditation or in contemplation. I would suggest that Jesus was none of those things, or, or maybe somewhere in the middle. He certainly came from the tradition of Moses. He certainly knew how the law of cause and effect worked in the world. He performed many of the, the kinds of miracles um, that Moses performed. He was uh, able to, to use the power of his thinking and the power of his faith in amazing ways. And yet that is not, perhaps what he was most famous for. Uh, He was most famous for, and I'll light the last candle now, for love and for compassion. And, And really none of the other ascended masters had that particular quality, or at least as their traditions are handed down to us, this idea of love and compassion, um, though they weren't absent, were not stressed to the degree that Jesus stressed them. And so today, I would like to honor, uh, to celebrate, if you will, his birth by talking a little bit about this idea of love, this uh, 
ideal of compassion. And from scripture, he taught us some interesting things. And, and uh, if any of you are familiar with uh, um, uh, e- either the Old Testament or the New Testament, you'll notice, uh, of course, a change in the flavor of it. The prophets in the Old Testament, very much around power, uh, around freedom, around standing up for um, freeing the people in bondage and so on. And here are some of Jesus' key messages. This is from John 13. And, and this was just for his followers. So he spoke this in, uh, in a setting even more intimate than this. There probably would have been um, just maybe the 12 and maybe a few close friends. And he said, a new command I give you, love one another. I have loved you, and so you must love one another. And I sort of imagine that maybe he was seeing something not quite like that. You know, he was one to uh, force the people who were close to him to, to cleave to that higher standard. And I'm suspectful that some of the uh, apostles, uh, you know, out in the marketplace were not saying the kindest thing to one another. And so he called them on the carpet. A new command I give you, love one another. But he widened that circle. A little while later in his ministry, uh, as recorded in Mark 12, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And and for those of you who are are good Bible scholars, realize that um, it was only second to his commandment of to love God. So it was to love God and then love your neighbors as yourself. And he actually uh, basically said, don't pay any attention to those 10 commandments. I mean, they're nice guidelines, but... Well, all right, I'm probably paraphrasing a little bit. (laughs) Uh, But he basically said, if we love God and we love one another as we would wish to be loved, do you really need a list of things you're not supposed to do, right? Would you steal from someone if you really loved them and treated them as you would like to be treated? Would you, would you really do any of the other things, you know, in, in the, the Ten Commandments if you really respected people with love in your life? And then finally, in Matthew 5.43, he said, You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies even and pray for those who persecute you. Well, now that one's a little tougher. <clears throat> that one's a little tougher. And I will tell you, uh, I was brought to my knees a little bit during the recent uh, election as I was praying for everyone, praying for everyone involved. And it occurred to me that if truly I am to represent love in the world, if truly I am to represent that higher standard that, that Jesus held high for his disciples, if, if that level of love and compassion is to be born in me, then yes, truly I must bless everyone. Yes, truly I must pray everyone. Now it doesn't mean I need to go along with them. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Um, But I have to recognize that is that spark of divine in everyone. There is that capability and that connection to spirit that is in everyone. And so when I light a candle for love, when I light a candle for compassion, it means I am going to extend my hand to everyone. 
Um, some of you know that I've been volunteering at the Q Center uh, recently. One of the things that came about as uh, coming out of the election was the, the thought in my mind that perhaps uh, some of my gay and lesbian friends, their way of life might be at risk. I don't know. It's possible. I mean, I'm not thinking that a presidency or um, uh, something like that can just turn the world on its ear. But on the other hand, it occurred to me, I need to begin standing for some of the things that I believe in. And that that if I am worried um, for that aspect of the friends I have out in the world, um, I needed to do something about it. So I've been volunteering, putting in some counseling hours and volunteer time down at the Q Center. And this uh, this last Tuesday, I had the kind of the awesome experience of being there. Now, let me make sure that I get this right. While the under 20, 12-step transgendered teens were there. I think I got all that in there. And I got to tell you, there were 40 of them. So exciting, having such a wonderful evening. And a couple things occurred to me. One, it occurred to me, well, gosh, I don't know. I know I have enough fingers for all the things that occurred to me. One thing that occurred to me, first of all, was how amazing for anyone at that age to know that they need to be in a 12-step program, to actually be on board with recognizing there is that power of addiction working in their lives and that they would come together in that way to support one another. That, that crossed my mind because I'm not used to AA groups. or I mean, I've been in a 12-step program myself for many years, but I'm not used to thinking at that age you would recognize that you have that problem and actually be there to be in support. But then the other part that just struck me was the colorfulness of it. This was a group that had more different colors of hair than we have Christmas sweaters in the room. And uh, oh my gosh, the piercings and tattoos and the exuberance and the joy, it just opened my heart up. And at the same time, even as my heart was opened up, as I stood there, and, and I, I came from work that day, so I was dressed pretty much as dressed as I am today, um, you know, for a shift of counseling. I wanted to look like a counselor and not, I don't know what. <laughs> Some of you, are, probably I could look like a counselor in jeans too, but anyway, I thought I would dress night. And it occurred to me as I stood there in my business professional outfit and in my six foot one white male privileged status that I was the enemy to them. I mean, not literally. I mean, they knew I was there to serve in my capacity at the Q Center, but, but how unlike them I looked and I appeared and it occurred to me that even the people in this room represent the other to people who need protecting on this planet to people who have worthy and beautiful and meaningful lives that that would pass us on the street and would avoid us because we probably would look like someone they would be fearful of. Have you ever thought of yourself in that way before? I don't think that it occurred to me until that very moment what 
that this kind of an imposing figure could be to someone who is maybe represented on what we would call the fringes today. And yet, is their fringe so very different than our own? Is our way of life and what we want in life and our, and our aspirations and, and our desires and, and how we want to know? Of course not. We are all so equal in our human desires for love and self-expression and joy. And so in that moment, I made a promise to myself. And I, of course, I, I ran in and I'd even forgot to put my safety pin on that day. Does everyone know the, the I stand for you safety pin movement? Maybe a few of you don't. For those of you who don't, um, there's a kind of a thing going around now that you put a safety pin on to allow other people who might be in a dicey situation because of cultural norms or fear that you would stand in for them. So as an example, uh, picture yourself if you were one of my my transgendered teens going to Fred Meyer back where the bathrooms are and you get your choice. Right? So if you're wearing the safety pin, that means that that transgender teen can come up to you and say, would you go to the bathroom with me? Would you, would you clear it out <laughs> so that I can do my business and not be hassled? Make sense? Okay. And it occurred to me not too long ago, I had done something different in a very simple way, just with a friend of mine who's out uh, car shopping. As uh, an elderly somewhat woman, she felt she would be victimized by the car salesman. And so, of course, I'll go with you. Absolutely, I'm there for you. And do I have an idea that the encounter would have been different if I wouldn't have been there or not? Who knows? But what I do know is I will stand for people. I will work with people. And that day at the Q Center, when I noticed how different everyone there was than I was, I realized that this means something perhaps even more to me. It means I really have to dig in. I really have to let people know that not everyone that looks like this is at that top part of the pyramid, that I can be here to hold consciousness, to hold a hand, to, to clear out the restroom, to do whatever is necessary for someone who is not feeling so secure in their part of the, of the makeup of the world. And so I do have a couple thoughts for you all today, of course, where we're celebrating this idea of love being born in the world this idea of Jesus representing love and compassion. And of course, what I would like to do is give you all a, a homework assignment of, go, you know, go forth and be loving and compassionate. But, but that's, you know, that's kind of like saying go forth and solve world hunger or, you know. I mean, it's a great thing to say and I bet you would all nod and smile. And of course, I will, you know, of course you would. I have that power. I can make people nod and smile. <laughs> I'm a big white dude right? All right. So I, I would like, though, to make my homework or my suggestion a little more personal for you today. Close your eyes for a moment and just imagine someone or some group of people that you might imagine could use a little extra help. Now, it might be 
Maybe you have some elderly people in your lives right now that are not in the best positions for making decisions or completely managing their own lives. Maybe you know some troubled teenagers. Maybe you know of uh, some Muslims in your neighborhood that perhaps are not being treated as well as they could be. Maybe a friend of yours is African-American and she's about at her wit's end for being treated poorly. Just imagine someone that you know, or maybe a group of people that you would stand for. Do you really recognize in them your ability to stand strong when they're being threatened or disenfranchised or put to the edge of things? Now I would ask you, now that you have that thought in your own mind, in your own personal consciousness, to do two things. First of all, let us just send them love. Let us all just envelop them in the biggest bubble of love. So allow the love in this room just to expand beyond it, to encompass not only these individuals, but perhaps the larger groups of individuals that they represent. Allow everyone on this planet to feel audaciously loved. It is the promise of of Jesus that we might feel this. Let us extend our heart and our hands for this. The second thing that I would like you to do is begin imagining what you might do about it. And here's the source of my homework for you, for those of you who are willing this week. What is it that you might feel called to do about it? So you can go ahead and and open your eyes. Uh, I would like to make one suggestion. Maybe at a minimum, think about the safety pin idea. But don't do this lightly. I mean, I don't want you to wear a safety pin and then have one of my transgender teens come up and say, I'd like your help, and have you go, oh, I can't go into the ladies' room, (laughs) right? I mean, if you're going to wear the pin, let's be bold, let's be brave. Let's do whatever we can to help someone in need. When your Muslim neighbor wants you to go in with you to the loan officer, because she feels that she's going to be treated poorly. You, you, if you're wearing the safety pin, we want to be up for that. Of course I will go with you. Of course I will stand for you. So, so at a minimum, I would like you to consider the safety pin. It's a, a very subtle thing, um, although I've seen fashionable ones. Mine isn't particularly fashionable today. If you go to any baby supply store, you'll find all kinds of endearing and sweet ones. But, but consider that as something that you might do moving out into this new year. The other thing, and this is a tougher one, but might you feel called to actually volunteer somewhere Not to wait for someone to come to you who's brave enough to ask for your help, but might you be willing to actually volunteer somewhere, either with your time, um, with your money, uh, with your help in some way, to also stand for some people, whether it's working in a soup kitchen, um, whether it's... uh, um, 
Oregon Food Bank, I know, is getting a lot of food in right now, but they need people to help pack it up. That would be a lovely thing to do. So give this some thought also from your, for your homework this week. What is it that you might feel called to actually do, not just to stand for, but to actually move forward in your designs for bringing love and compassion out into the world? To this end, if you're willing, I have a little call and response that I'd like to pull on you. And, uh, and, and since I'm still standing and have a certain amount of power, let's see if this will work. Um, so I'm going to say something, hopefully not too outrageous. And if you're willing, would you repeat it back to me? Let's start with this one. It is love that is born today. Oh, it didn't sound like it, though. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is love that was born today. Oh, cool, we're on board. All right. I am the love that God is. I am the love that God is. <laughs> All right, that's too much. No. <laughs> I love my friends and my family. I love my neighbors even as I love myself. I love everyone, including the people that don't look remotely like me. Oh my gosh, your attention span is so good. I, that was a hard one. All right, let's just end simply. I am love. I am love. One more time together. I am love. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one love, if you will. And what I know about this power and presence, whether you symbolize it by the birth of the Christ child or whether you simply feel it in your own heart, it is connected to something larger than just us as individuals. It is God's love. I, I personally think that God created the universe simply out of love and to experience love. And so I capitalize upon that on this day when I claim that, that love, that all-powerful, all-abiding, all-compassionate love of God itself, I claim it in my own personal life. As I stretch out my hands, as I volunteer to others, as I, uh, as I tell my corny jokes and teach my, my classes, as I do whatever it is I do, I do it with that open heart, with that ability to see other people perhaps in need where I didn't see them before. With that willingness to stand for the people that maybe I don't even completely understand the issue at hand. Nonetheless, when I see that need, I will open my hand and my heart and stand with them. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for that capability to exist for each person in this room and beyond. And for this coming 2017, I would like, if I could, if I had the power, I would say each person here has that willingness to stand for more than just themselves, to extend that hand in friendship, in safety, in simple human dignity, and yes, and yes, in love to the other people that we share this planet with. This is my, 
my Christmas story. This is my, the best I have to come up with for the true meaning of Christmas. It is love and it is compassion. And for this, I am grateful. And in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Merry Christmas, everyone. So glad you were here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.